The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Okay, today we're going to discuss a channel of marketing that most people do not associate with technology, public relations. Joining us is Lindsay Stewart, who is the Vice President of Business Intelligence at the Max Borges Agency, which is a consumer technology-focused PR firm. Lindsay and her team at the Max Borges Agency have developed data-driven marketing strategies using media relations, influencer relations, and social media to drive brand results for companies including AT&T, Marshall, DirecTV, and Strava. And in this episode, Lindsay is going to tell us about her approach to using data to generate brand buzz. Here's our interview with Lindsay Stewart, the VP of Business Intelligence at the Max Borges Agency. Lindsay, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's wonderful to talk to somebody in a channel that we normally don't think of in terms of marketing and technology, but the Max Borges Agency actually integrates a lot of those. So why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about what the Max Borges Agency is, what it does, and what's your role at the company? Sure. So we're a PR agency out of Miami, Florida. As you mentioned, we focus entirely on consumer electronics. So all of our clients fall in the tech space which is perhaps why most of the clients that we work with expect a high level of sophistication out of the marketing tools and the PR measurement that we end up providing to them. So we primarily work with clients on PR and media relations. So that's everything from launching the new tech product or service that they are launching to things like media events, visibility for executive team members, and social media and influencer relations. Those are kind of the core capabilities that we have. And in terms of what I do at the Max Borges Agency, my role has really been developed just based on a huge lack in the PR industry for a focus on data and ultimately in the gap in measuring how successful your PR programs can be. Historically, PR agencies have been infamous for just not providing great insight into what their programs do. And as a result, a lot of companies have grown frustrated with PR agencies So my role is entirely built on just trying to ease that frustration and help to arm our teams with the right types of data that they need to both execute and to measure their programs. Can I gripe to you about my PR sob story? (laughs) Yes. 
I feel like everybody's had one of these. And the reason I bring it up is I think that it's typical for how people think of how PR agencies work. When I was running my startup, a guitar lesson service meant to connect guitar students and teachers for live lessons. I hired a very small boutique PR agency who took a couple thousand dollars of budget and said, we're going to craft a story, do the outreach and get placements for you to help promote your brand. And what ended up happening was they spent a couple hours helping me write a press release, which got me published in a various number of papers, but it was just people republishing the press release. And then they said they were going to reach out to people that they know, and everything was very much relationship-based. Those writers came back and said, this is not a big enough company for us to write about, and my budget was gone. Yeah. Sounds like it's not a story that you haven't heard before. It's definitely not. Um, We have a lot of companies that come to us with similar stories. And there's a very tired approach that a lot of PR agencies take where they basically write up a press release, they put it on a wire service, and it syndicates to a bunch of sites that no one ever goes to. Right. We don't even use those services for that reason, because we don't think that they actually produce results. And most of the time, clients end up coming to us and saying, how can you do it better? And luckily, we have a lot of really great stories that we're able to share with them on not only we were able to generate real stories for them, but also that they made a tangible impact on their business. And that's ultimately what people care about and companies should care about. So with my difficulty using PR, it's a channel I've traditionally stayed away from because in my opinion, it can be very high risk right? You're paying someone with the hopes of getting placement as opposed to with things like content where you're building an asset or with digital marketing, you know what you're buying, you're buying inventory. Now, that said, there are plenty of companies that have used PR as an incredibly effective marketing strategy. I think Twitter is probably a great example. Their marketing strategy was obviously very viral, but PR got a hold of Twitter as a new phenomenon and really ran with it. And it's one of the ways that the company had such exponential growth. Talk to me a little bit about your approach. How is it different from the, I know a guy at the New York Times and he might write about your guitar lesson startup if he feels like it that day? What's your approach like? Our approach, it always is definitely relationships, but to your gripe, one of the things that we like to do is do a very robust analysis of the media landscape so that we're not just doing it based on relationships, but we're also creating extremely compelling stories that aren't just, here's your brand and take it or leave it, but how can we make that newsworthy and what can we learn from the stories that are already out there? and basically use those insights to pitch the media in a very compelling way. And luckily, we have so many different stories of clients who've come to us with not a lot to offer, but we've been able to kind of pull all of that into a really nice story based on some of the research that we're able to dive into and figure out what's going to work with the media. So what I'm hearing is the, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the first step for you in building a PR strategy is doing an evaluation of the competitive landscape and seeing what content has performed and gained interest in competitive products or something similar to what you're going to be talking about. Exactly. And actually what we do is we use a tool called BuzzSumo and basically the first two weeks of working with a client, we'll bring them in and 
will go out and look on this tool, which basically looks at news and blog sites across the web and finds what are the storylines around a specific topic that have been most shared by consumers. So as opposed to just looking at what's published, we look at what consumers actually care about and what they're sharing and actively reading. And as a result, when we go out and pitch the media, we know and we can back up that the story that we're pitching is likely to be successful for them. And having that kind of media first mentality where we're telling them this is why you should publish something because it's going to be successful for you really helps both on building relationships and on getting published. Right. So it's not necessarily just the story that the consumer wants to tell. You're really mining the industry for what's going to be something that's attractive to members of the media. Yeah. And one of the other things that's important is just what are consumers searching for right now? We use things like Google Trends and a tool called SEM Rush, where we go in and actually look at what the search volume is around certain keywords. And we're able to use that to inform the types of pitching angles that we go for. We use it to determine which targets we want to go after. You know, if we're working with a headphone brand, there's something like 20,000 monthly searches for best headphones. So being able to go in and select the targets that we think are the ones that are topping that search result for those search terms is extremely important to their strategic plan. So we always do it with that kind of data-driven approach in mind when we're planning out the strategy for clients, both from what's going to land them best in terms of an outlet and also the storyline that's going to most likely hit with the media. Right. So BuzzSumo is basically your way to look at what has already been written. And then you're using a SEO optimization tool to try to understand what are some relevant keywords that you can then package and hand to a media member and saying, here's why we think this could drive a positive return for your article. Exactly. And ultimately, you know, there's a lot of articles that are kind of already out there that we know we can tap into a keyword just by being included in a roundup, for example, that might be on the best headphones. They're usually publishing those on a regular basis. So we can make sure that our clients are included in those in the future. Okay. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. 
Talk to me about the outreach process. Once you have your media outreach package, you have something that you want to bring to a journalist in terms of here's why the story would be compelling. What do you do to, A, build those relationships if you don't already have them? How do you approach journalists? And then how do you keep track of who you've reached out to and who's interested? One of the great things about our agency, because we're consumer tech focused, is that we're all kind of talking to all of our account executives that are reaching out to media are all kind of talking to a similar type of journalist. So we have a vast network of connections. If one person does not have a connection with a journalist, then you can guarantee that somebody else around the agency has one. So that's one of the things that makes us unique. But in addition to that, again, having that kind of media first mentality where you're thinking about what their needs are and not just trying to push your own agenda. It's very common for media members to get frustrated with PR agencies because they're self-serving. But we always try to do what we can to help them as well so that they're wanting to work with us. And a lot of times as a result, and again, because of our tech focus, a lot of media members are actually reaching out to us and asking us for what do you guys have lately that's interesting? What new companies are you guys working with? Because they know that we work with great tech brands and that they can rely on us for that. So outside of the media coming to you and asking for what companies you're representing, how do you know what they are interested in? A lot of it's research into what they've already been writing about. We are very careful about making sure that we don't reach out to journalists with things that are relevant to them just by knowing what they write about. So digging into that is super important. And because we are so tech focused, we have a pretty good pulse on what tech writers are writing about. So most of our team members are techies themselves. So they kind of read all of these things and they're familiar with them on a personal level as well, which certainly helps. Okay. And in terms of keeping track of who's reaching out and who's interested, is there any technology or service that you're using to sort of do your project management? No, that's more kind of to the each person's way of doing things. We don't have necessarily a project management tool because most of it's through email and phone, sometimes text. <laughs> but yeah, it's more just kind of a one-off basis. And everybody's pretty good about maintaining those relationships ongoing. It's not really the type of thing where we're just reaching out to a person and when they reach out back to us, it's closed out of the conversation. It's more of, we have these conversations ongoing. There's an email chain that's been going on for years for a lot of these journalists that they are always open. Okay. So let's run a hypothetical. I'm running a guitar lesson website that has some sort of tech-enabled guitar near and dear to my heart. We decide that there's a story about music and technology. You do your outreach. How do you evaluate whether that campaign is successful? So there's a few different things. Obviously, press coverage being the first output of what we're aiming to get out for you guys, we would provide you with a rundown of all the press coverage that came out. And rather than just looking at how many placements we got, we're going to look more into the consumer activity around those placements. So how many people are sharing those articles online because they're so interested in the topic. We might look at your Google Analytics to understand if those people as a result were then going over to your website. We'll also look at things like backlinks in those articles because backlinks are extremely helpful for SEO. So if they have a backlink to your site, we'll look at a metric like domain authority to better understand whether that was a really high impacting link towards your search visibility. And then we also have a few different estimations that we use for things like estimated views on an article. 
I would say that's secondary to some of the more precise metrics that I just mentioned. But we will provide that just to give you a better point of view on how many potentially could have seen that article. And then qualitatively, a positive article is much better than a neutral article. And obviously, a negative article is not going to do much for your brand. So having really positive tonality, understanding the keywords that are being used to associate with your brand is extremely important. And it also provides us with some insight into how to more effectively pitch your brand in the future. Interesting. The idea of tonality when you're pitching a PR agency, does that happen often where you have a relationship, you're asking somebody to write about your customer's products or services, and they come back and write something negative? Yeah, I mean, you run the risk when specifically sending out products for review, which is a common practice specifically for tech products where they'll want a hands-on experience with a product. So it's definitely important and it's a step that we take at the very beginning to make sure that you know what you're going to get when you send it out. And typically what we do is we work with journalists on the back end to do kind of a test run that won't be published. And this is something where we would do it with one or two journalists pre-launch and work with them under NDA and ask them to just review it, give us their feedback. And typically what we'll do with that information is we'll hand it back to the client and say, look, these are some of the things that you need to fix before we go into a formal review process where you're sending this out because we don't want you to start working with us and then we send out all these products and it's negative. But they're editorial opinions, so we can't always control what's going to come out of it. But the best way to avoid that is, of course, to test in advance and make sure that you know what changes need to be made to ensure a positive review. Yeah, they never write the article the exact way you want them to, do they? (laughs) They don't unless you pay for an ad on their site. (laughs) (laughs) That goes back to my original point about having some questions about PR. Talk to me a little bit about the scale of a quality campaign and also what's the cost. I'm trying to dive down into ROI. Obviously, there's a range for costs and how effective these campaigns are, but give me a high, medium, low scenario of what customers see when they invest in PR. It definitely varies, but we've launched companies like a company called Misfit. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but when we started with them, they were a wearable company launching on Indiegogo, and we started that brand from the ground up. And they were, I think it was last year, acquired by Fossil. So the magnitude of what we were able to do actually really helped them into that acquisition. So that was a success story beginning to end. And some of the other ones that we've worked with, you know, when we launch a new product, they see a huge uptick in sales just within a few days of starting that work together. So it definitely varies by brand that we work with, but generally across the board, we do see a really nice change to their overall sales and revenue after starting to work with us. When you're evaluating campaigns, do you look at the KPI being a brand metric, how much people are interested and aware of the brand, or are you really looking at this as a direct response related channel? I would love to be able to make it direct response because that's what everybody wants is to be able to tie metrics directly to any activity that they're paying for. But typically the way that we do it is both through the metrics that I mentioned before, where it's measuring kind of consumer response and consumer activity, and then looking alongside that things like relative changes in site traffic, relative changes in brand awareness levels, revenue, and those types of things. 
And typically, we are able to see a pretty strong correlation between those factors. Like when we see an article, for example, that gets shared by a ton of consumers, we typically see a day of sales boost. So it's helpful to be able to have that type of insight that we can use to know. So if we have a client that has a Business Insider article that published and we see that it's been shared 3,000 times, we're immediately talking to them about their sales on Amazon because that's typically where Business Insider links out. And nine times out of 10, we see a significant sales boost that's tied to that same article. What I'm hearing is in the short term, you're able to measure the direct response benefits of a PR campaign. But in the long term, you're really looking at more brand metrics where having better awareness is impacting shareability, visibility, awareness, all the sort of classic brand metrics. Right. Okay. I think that's a great stopping point for today. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Lindsay for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Lindsay is going to talk to us about the technology and data she uses to create compelling content for consumer technology brands. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Lindsay, you can click on her bio in our show notes or go to the Max Borges Agency website, which is maxborgesagency.com. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you very much. We want you to feel like a member of our community. So if you have questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, feel free to reach out through the Contact Us link in our show notes or on social media. Our company's handle is LLC on LinkedIn and Twitter, and my personal handle is BenJShap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our episode with Lindsay Stewart from the Max Borges Agency, we've got some great episodes lined up in the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.